Welcome to the Daz List Podcast. As men, we are not simple, we are multifaceted. I am Jay LaVar of LaVar Legacy. And I'm Tony O from The All Around Life, discussing the things you think about, but maybe don't talk about. So come on in and join us in the study. All right, thank you everyone for joining us for another episode of the Daz List Podcast. I am your host, Jay LaVar, and I have a special guest with me here today, someone that I've known for the past 10 plus years. Um, he is someone who has been a, a funny person in my life, someone that I can confide in and someone that I can trust. And he's also a father. And he's one of the first fathers that, gave, before I was a dad, showed me what it looked like to be a dedicated father and gave me a lot of inspiration before I became a father myself. So I'd like to welcome to the Dazzles podcast, Mr. Jeffrey Fisher. Welcome, sir. Thank you very much, Jay Lavar, and I appreciate the praise. Trust me, you've uh, you've passed me in the fast lane in the in the father part. Man, you're doing a great job. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. And uh, for those listeners who are just joining us, if you can just kind of give us a summary, why are you on the podcast? Tell us a little bit about your life, man. Sure, and I know you've been passionate about this topic for a long time, Jay, and I appreciate it, man. I, I admire you a lot for it, but I really just wanted to get involved with uh, with your podcast and kind of share my story. I'm at the uh, later stages of parenthood, or you know, maybe not, but certainly past the diapers and the the teeth stage. But uh, no, it's <laughs> it's been an amazing journey, and uh, I was a long distance dad for a lot of years, and that became just too challenging for me. And I I put my whole life aside and kind of traveled cross country to to be with my children, and uh, that's where I am. Uh, I had no regrets whatsoever. Miss Atlanta, miss you, Jay Lavar. We had we had a lot of great times working at Apple, but, uh, you know, I did what I had to do and, and no regrets. So in the beginning, uh, one of the key things that started it off was you were married, you guys got a divorce. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. Uh, I mean, we, we got divorced and, uh, my ex-wife did what I think I would have done. You know, you move back home, you circle the wagons and you, you try to get it together and, and took, uh, my two sons with me. They were, they were four and two years old at the time. Uh, just because I understood why she did it didn't make it any easier. Uh, So I was kind of left behind in Atlanta to to pick up pieces a little bit. And you, you know, you do what you got to do. You adapt. Um, uh, Tried my best to, to just make the most out of the situation. And what are you going to do? You don't throw in the towel. You don't quit. These, these two boys needed me. And uh, I did the long distance dad thing for about five years. Um, part of me thought this is what I should do. You know, you keep the house that they were born in and, and maintain that level of normalcy. So when they came to visit, it was back home, you know, but you know, a house is just a house. It's not a home unless it's, you know, all about the family. Right. So in hindsight, that, that maybe wasn't the best thing to do, but it's, it's what I went with, with the, uh, the information knowledge I had at the time. And when, at that time, how old were the boys? They were four and two years old. So this would have been winter, spring of 2005. Wow. Yeah. Now, do you think that they got a chance to see what was going on? Did they notice even at that young age, like what was going on between you and your wife or ex-wife at that time? Um, I think they recognized that there was, there was awkwardness, but, and they always say that if, if there's a good or a bad time to have that happen, it's when the kids are really young right? because they identify what, with what's just normal. Um, you know, if I had a, a 13 and 11 year old child or children and got divorced, you know, they react wildly different, I imagine. Right. But, uh, I think they, they adjusted very well to their credit. I mean, they're, they're headstrong little boys and, and they made the best of it 
Um, how they reacted to when they weren't around me, when they were with their mom in Tulsa at the time, uh, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I've heard some stories here and there from my ex-wife about some lashing out and things like that, but I think that's pretty normal. Now, you and I talked in the past. I mean, uh, we're very close, and uh, I know that during this whole process of getting a divorce, parenting was part of was part of it, right? Because I think it's very important for other our listeners to hear, because there are probably many men or you know families in the same scenario where it's the parenting first, you know, versus the relationship first kind of thing. Absolutely, and I, you have to, as hard as it is, to put your uh, baggage, as I call it, aside with your your ex spouse. Now it's about parenting. It's about these two kids that need uh, both parents in their life. You don't need to be best friends. You just be civil and cordial and go about the business of raising the kids. And I'll tell you, in Georgia, it's mandatory that that divorced couples attend a uh, parenting class as a part mm. of the, the process of divorce. I didn't take a lot away from the class. It was, you know, kind of a lot of uh, nodding yes and this, that, and the other. But one of the quotes that really hit home with me is they said, it will be a constant tug of war with your ex-wife. Don't use the kids as the rope. Mm, and wow. I, to me, that was my biggest takeaway is anything I did or anything I said, I had to make sure that the kids personally, verbally, visually had nothing to do with it. They need to just understand that mom and dad are still here. They're in your life. They love you. And let's move forward. Um, but the, the petty nitpicking and things like that does not need to happen in front of the kids. And uh, you just need to shield them from that, that no good can come from that. Right. Wow. But I, I don't want to make it sound like this is a you know a horribly sad story. Just looking back, I think we did a fair job of that, my ex-wife and I. Um, you're always going to have your spats via text or phone or email. But I think when the kids were around, they genuinely felt like we're all in this together. We have different mailing addresses. Let's go forward. And you said that you did the uh, long distance dad thing for about five years, right? What was that like, man? Oh, yeah. Brutal. It was tough. I mean, uh, the, the Tulsa to Atlanta is about a 12-hour drive. We would meet halfway in Memphis to do the exchanges for, you know, they were with me for six weeks in the summer and they were during uh, holidays or every other holiday and spring break. And it was tough. I mean, that's a tough adjustment. I'm sure you can understand, you know, just the, the day-to-day goes away. Um, but it's it's what I did. I mean, it's I think you hear people say all the time is, I don't know how you did it. And I was like, well, you just do it. That's how right. you do it. What's your choice to not do it? Right. Um, <laughs> and I can tell you that uh, the biggest, uh, the biggest comment to me that made me realize what I was doing wasn't working. was my brother who had come to Atlanta for business on occasion. He'd ask me all the time. He's like, Jeff, do you just look forward to the next time you're going to see the boys? And I said, well, yeah, of course. He said, you're skipping over all the good stuff. Mm-hmm. You're, you're skipping over life. If all you're doing is looking forward to four months down the road when you see the boys again, what's happening in those four months? You're just sleepwalking. And he was absolutely right. And that quote from my brother, I will to this day say, that was kind of the nudge I needed to make a change because he was absolutely right. All I did was look forward to the next time I'd see the boys. Everything that was going on in my life, between those times, yeah, I, I was just kind of shrugging my shoulders. Whatever, right? And that's no way to go through life. You know? It's shortchanging. It's shortchanging your experience because you still have it a is. life to live as and well. And all the people and all the people around me. You know, yeah. I, I didn't appreciate my friendships and 
you were involved in a lot of it, you know, when we worked together, um, I might seem happy outgoing on the, on the outside, but you know, just you're, you're fighting on the inside. Yeah. Which was going to lead me to ask you, I mean, even when you got a chance to see your boys with those exchanges, I mean, was it more of, Hey, this is fun dad now because this is the time we have it's limited or were you trying to find ways to, okay, Hey, tell me more about what's going on in your life in school and try to discipline a little bit or how did that work out? I, I wouldn't say it was a discipline free household, but you're very much hitting the nail on the head. I was, I was vacation dad. Mm-hmm. And in speaking with my father, and I also am I'm a, a product of a, a divorce family as well. My dad would just tell me that's what you get. That's the advantage you have. You get to be the fun dad, but no, we, we brushed teeth. We went to bed on time. We, we did the normal chore type stuff, but, um, I would ask them about school and they were, they had pretty short answers. Right. You know, I, I had no idea what normal quote unquote life was for them from September to April. You know, I would see them on, on Thanksgiving and Christmas, but all I saw was the summer. We went to the pool and we took vacations every now and again. And grandparents would come down and go to Dave and Buster's. Yeah, it was, it was all party time, which isn't reality. You know that. Right. And I, I, like I said, I was stern with them when I needed to be. I don't think I was a pushover, but there was no getting up to school. There was no homework, you know, mm-hmm. for the first decade of their lives. I was just the summer dad. How did that make you feel, man? Well, I, it, I, you take what you can get. I, I loved every second I spent with them. But at some point you realize that you're not getting the full experience of being a parent. Um, and these are all like the little nudges that you kind of say, you got to go. It's, yeah. You're not going to get any of this back. Um, so how does it make you feel? Um a little empty, uh, like a part-time dad. And I hate that phrase, you yeah. know, but, or a part-time parent, you know, it, it makes you feel lesser, um, which I didn't enjoy because uh, I felt like I was more than that, but the circumstances of geography kind of dictated that, but yeah. um, it was mine to change. And, and I did years later. Well, when you think about that kind of transition and trying to move or to get closer to your boys, in theory, that sounds great. You know, anyone could come up with that idea. I mean, what kind of things were in place that you had to overcome? What are some of the challenges you had to overcome to make that a reality? Um, because again, you had a life that you were living here in Atlanta as well. Sure. Well, and I, I'm not saying that my ex-wife had it easier than I did, but she was going back to where her parents lived. So she had a landing spot mm-hmm. and she could get under, you know, get on her feet and, and maybe get uh, some employment and things like that. Mine was difficult because I had a house in Lawrenceville, Georgia, and I had a job and I had responsibilities to take care of my kids in the form of child support payments and things like that. So mine wasn't just a snap of the finger to say, okay, I'm going to go too. Right. Um, and this was also an unfortunate time of the United States where we were amidst one of the worst economic slash housing crises mm-hmm. in recent memory. So I, my house was on the market for a long time and nothing was happening. Um, and I was getting no bids whatsoever. So it was a complex situation. The, the job thing I was a little stressed about, but then I did realize that Apple, who I used to work for, uh, would be very accommodating to transfer me to a different store. And Tulsa, Oklahoma does have an Apple store. So that that wasn't as big a stressor as getting out from underneath the house was. Right. Wow. So it was, uh, it, there was, it was a lot of stress. I mean, I, I have no hair on my head whatsoever <laughs> anymore. And my beard is mostly full of gray. I look like Gandalf. So I blame it on those years. You bring on those years. Sure. 
Hey, I I didn't notice I was losing my hair until my daughter was born. So uh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that's the excuse I, I'm going with. <laughs> I, I can't tell you it's going to get worse, but uh, who knows? Well, I, I don't have much hair to, le- to, le- to lose at this point, so I'm ready for it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, so you make the move to Tulsa. Yep. What does that transition look like? Your boys go from seeing you in the summertime to now. Uh, and if I remember correctly, you end up somehow end up getting a place like down the street where it was easier for them to to even ride their bikes to where you are. Yep. Yep. I, I moved out here. Well, and I'll, I'll briefly interject a, a complication. Or, I mean, it's a terrible way to phrase that. Yeah. I started I started dating a woman about six months prior to me leaving. Right. And I told her, I was very upfront with her. I said, listen, I have every intention of moving to Tulsa to be near my sons. I don't expect you to move with me. Uh, that's that. So uh, skip forward. <laughs> she did move out here with her daughter, who's now 12. And we've been together for eight years. We're very happy. Awesome. Everything's great. But, but what you'd said, yes, I moved into a one-bedroom apartment that was about a half a mile away from where uh, the boys and their mother lived. And it was great. Um, not a lot of structured visitation. We were very on good speaking terms. Good. Can, you, can you want the boys tonight? You want to do this? Um, it wasn't always like that. It was at first. Um, but that, that's kind of a, a rabbit hole of, of conversation. <laughs> and, and my advice would be to, to all your listeners, you know, with divorced parents, you know, it, it is tough. You just have to realize that you all bring your baggage to the table. Everyone's going to have a, a reason for the failed marriage or blame game. Just, just put it aside. You're, you, it didn't work out. Hopefully, each one of you can move on and become happy. My ex-wife is remarried to a great guy. We get along well. Um, I'm thrilled. I'm happy. I'm, I'm glad she is where she is. Everyone should just be happy for where they are now. Don't look back. Yeah. It, it nothing productive can come from that. If you want to do that within your own self, your own mind, and learn from your own mistakes, which I, I believe I truly have, um, that's great. But don't keep blaming that person in your past. All they want to do is raise these kids to the best of their ability. And I think for the most part, we've done a great job of that. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Uh, Meredith, she's been awesome. Um, I haven't got you to meet her in person yeah. yet. Uh, how did that How did that go? In, this is a new relationship. You transitioned to Tulsa. She comes with you. She has a daughter. Uh, you have your boys. This, this blended family, how did you guys make this work? It, it didn't take a tremendous amount of effort. I and mean, Jay, you'd love her. She's a train wreck. She's, <laughs> she's a lot Perfect. of fun to be around. Um, it, I think it was much harder for her, honestly, because I was going to a place where I knew I needed to be. We were in a very early stage of a relationship where, you know, how how can you possibly know after being with somebody for six months that you're ready to move across the country? Right. She, she didn't move after six months. I left after dating her for about six months. We did a long distance relationship for about a year. And she moved out here with the full support of her daughter's father, wow. her ex. Um, so it, it did work out well. I mean, outside of, you know, finding employment out here, she's a professional photographer, uh, which, you know, her clientele dropped off a lot. In Atlanta, she was a very successful photographer, both wedding and portrait and boudoir. Um, but coming out to a place like Tulsa, Oklahoma, which is, you know, very conservative, uh, lower income than Metro Atlanta, you know, mm-hmm. uh, that was a struggle. But I think from, from our standpoint, from relationship, uh, it was, uh, I wouldn't say a no brainer, but it, it was worth it. I mean, she definitely wanted to come out here. Her daughter, our stepdaughter is a wonderful girl. Um, she was only three years old when she moved out here. So wow. I feel like I've known her a whole life. Yeah. Um, 
I don't feel it was it was a challenge. Um, having a daughter, as you know, is a challenge in and of itself. But uh, <laughs> that's a different podcast altogether to talk about the difference between right. girls. But uh, no, it, it's been great. Um, she's she's found some great work that she's passionate about and things like that. And you know, if did she want to move to Tulsa? No, um, I think she wanted to move out here to continue with you with me, which, in all honesty, added a lot of pressure. Yeah, um, of course. You know, it's you move to a place where no one just says, hey, you know what, we should move to Tulsa. <laughs> I mean, uh, so I did feel like there was a, a kind of a lofty expectation of, gosh, she's doing this all for you, dude, and bringing her little girl with her. So yeah. uh, you got to make this this work. But it's not, it's not, I don't work at it. We we do really well. But when I say I don't work at it, I mean, it's, I, I don't try to do anything extra special because you moved out here. I mean, right. we're together, we're partners in life. So uh, I think it's wherever we go, we go. That's awesome. How how does your daughter and your boys get together now? How they, how how have oh, they been? They're great. I mean, uh, my boys are very protective of her, which is a very interesting quality to observe. And Raleigh, uh, our stepdaughter, she's twelve now. There is nothing more she loves than to say, "My two brothers." Awesome. So she's she's an only child. So having a, a blended family can sometimes be a challenge, I would think. But she has embraced it. She enjoys having older brothers and and loves to point that out in the crowd. And uh, they go to the same middle school, high school together, and, and she definitely dotes on them. That was great. It's, it's really fun to watch. Now, I wanna transition a little bit. A lot of times when it comes to being a father ourselves, um, we look back on how we were parented. you know. And I know that you had a very special relationship with your father who passed away. Yep. If you can kind of just share a little bit about what it was like growing up with your dad and. How's it been as an adult with your father in your life? What did that dynamic look like? It was, I mean, uh, obviously, I think anyone's uh, passing of their father is extremely difficult, and, and mine was no different. But um, my dad and I were we were close. Um, he was he was very much a kind of hands off parent. I don't think he was uh, he was the opposite of a helicopter parent, which I know I think you know that concept yeah. of you know constantly calling and checking in and things like that. He. He very much wanted us to live our own lives, to make our own mistakes. And I'm always here for you to pick up the pieces. You know, he would joke to say, uh, if you ever need a place to stay, you're always welcome here, but don't unpack your bags. <laughs> you know, he, he wanted it to be a, a safety net or a parachute, but it's not, uh, this isn't a place where you're just going to move in and, and leech off me. I'll help, but I want you to get back on your feet. So no, he, he was a great man. Um, uh, me and my two older brothers, I think uh, it's a strong term, but we, we idolized him. He was he was a great guy, and no disrespect to my mother. She's a wonderful woman as well, but boys just identify, I think, with their dads. And he was he was a very funny man, very sarcastic, um, very loving, and, and showed his pride uh, to everyone else. You know, and, and I'm not saying he didn't say he was proud of us, right. but I've talked to my stepmother and other people, and they'd say, God, your dad would never shut up about me. He always was talking about this, that, and the other and loved his grandchildren. And I think that was the most fun I've ever had was watching my father transition into a grandfather. Uh, when they would come to visit in Georgia when boys were very young, he'd take them to Dave and Buster's and spend hundreds of dollars <laughs> on just loading up game cards with these kids and and they'd go to Toys R Us and fill carts. And I'm just sitting oh there like, Dad, God. you know I you know I can't replicate this when you leave, Dad. And he's like, I know you can't. He's like, that's why I'm doing it, you know. 
he, he absolutely loved being a grandfather and spoiling the crap out of these kids. And it was, it was so fun to watch, but uh, no, we, we had a great relationship. I mean, and I think that I'm very much a very similar parenting style that my father was because it did work for me. Um, I, I liked the fact that he didn't, uh, metal is a terrible word, but I, he was, he was at an arm's length, wanted you to live your life. But it, if you want to talk, I'm here. That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. And do you find yourself more and more becoming like your dad as a father over the years? Uh, I think I'm a, a decent hybrid between my mom and dad. My mom is, I wouldn't say the opposite, but she's a, I call once a week sort of thing. And even I'm 45 years old, she still calls once a week. I think I'm a healthy balance. Uh, uh-huh. My oldest boy just started at Oklahoma State University. I dropped him off on Wednesday. So he, this is a, a well-timed podcast as far as fathers go. Um, it, it is hard. You you want the best for them. You want to protect them. But you get to a point where you just you have to let go yeah. um, and, and hope you've done the job that uh, you needed to to just kind of push them out of the nest and say, good luck. Like I said, when my dad told me, you can always come back. Um, I, I'll, I'll be here for you, but I've given you all the tools in the world to go make it on your own. And I think that's the job as a parent. I mean, don't you? It's, yeah, most definitely. You raise these kids for the first 18 years of their lives, and then you got to kind of let them fall on their face once in a while. And, and I don't know if my sons will fall on their face or, or my stepdaughter for that matter, but um, you got to just let them go and, and find out. But it's a, uh, it's it's an amazing adventure, and I'll tell you. Um, I don't know if this will ever come up in conversation, but if you ever stress about young kids and crying babies and diapers, just tell yourself that a crying baby is the sweetest sound you'll ever hear. Because when my kids, when they're in high school and, and had their driver's license, <laughs> silence on a Friday and Saturday night. Oh, it's awful. It's you have awful. no clue what they're doing. <laughs> nope. So just embrace those times when you're mad about them uh, pooping their diaper and right. things like that. They're under your, you're under your house and under your watchful eyes. So don't ever complain about that. It's all about perspective, right? It is, it is. But at some point you just have to trust that you've done all you can and done your best work and, and then just sit back and, and try to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Yeah. Has it been easy or difficult when it comes to your boys being in their teenage years? Um, I think my boys are pretty easy. Um, my oldest boy is a, a typical oldest child type A personality. Um, my younger son likes to get into a little bit and a little bit of that. And uh, he's not, and I, he'll listen to this one day maybe and just be mortified. But <laughs> he, I think he can just, he just wants to get by. I think that uh, he doesn't require, uh, you know, straight A's out of himself and, He's just, he's living his best life and that's great. But all kids are so different. You love them all the same. But the worst mistake you can make and which I've had to resist was comparing the two. Right. So if you have one that's a straight A student and a super great athlete, the next one's not going to be that. And that doesn't mean you love them less or you treat them any differently. It's just you adapt and kind of uh, say, okay, what is it you're passionate about? And I think that's, that's what I've tried to do. And my stepdaughter, she's a, like I said, she's a wild card. I don't know. <laughs> but I had two brothers and no daughters. So she's, I, I'm, I'm looking to my girlfriend Meredith to her for advice as far as what, what am I supposed to do here? Right. She's, she's just crying and I don't think she's hurt. 
I don't think she's hurt. I told people, I said, my sons would cry when they were physically injured. Raleigh cries because it's Tuesday. <laughs> hey. it's like, what, what am I supposed to do? But uh, no, they're, uh, they're good boys. And I, I think that's all I really want is I don't care if you're a great athlete, a great student, but just be a good person. Are you the type of person that holds doors? Are you a yes, sir, and yes, ma'am sort of, of guy? And uh, are you considerate and, and things like that? That's what I tried to raise. If you're a great soccer player, super. If you're a great artist or you love online gaming, great. But just be a good person. That's, that's really all I want the world to be full of. And I think mm -hmm. it's, it's kind of what the world's missing right now is just good people. No, you're right. And um, we, the challenge of not comparing them, you know, uh, my kids are completely different as well. And I say it all the time on the podcast where I'm surprised the level of conversation I have with both my six-year-old as well as my eight-year-old. And we are having full-blown conversations, but uh, they have their, their strengths and their opportunities. And it is, it's easy to, you know, my daughter is very difficult when it comes to doing homework with her. Right. And sometimes she has a hard time picking up on certain things. But then my son, who's who's six, he he just gets it. Homework is a breeze for him. It's like, all right, you got to do this, this and this. Let me know when you're done. He gets it done. My daughter is like pulling teeth, you know, just to get one portion of the assignment done. And you're like, man, if 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 this one was only like this one and it's so, you know, you're internally, you're just. Mm. Absolutely. But, but, you, 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 but again, that that discipline to not do that and to. You know, me and my wife, we talk about it, <laughs> but to them, it is, we are making sure that we respect them for who they are and we are uh, making them feel good about who they are and highlighting their strengths and giving them opportunities to work on the things that they fall short on, but it's, it's not making them feel bad for who they are. Sure. And let me interject something real quick. I, I learned something very powerful after my father's passing. Uh, I was talking to my stepmom and and she told me a story and basically said, your father, my dad, worried about my oldest brother the most. And mm. this was the guy that was the straight A student, valedictorian type of person, went to the University of Michigan, studied industrial engineering, had an internship at General Motors. I mean, everything just clicked for him. Yeah. And he said he worried about him the most because what's going to happen when he fails? Wow. How is he going to handle it? And then my stepmother went on to say, she said, your father worried about you, me, the least. He said, he's fallen on his face so many times. <laughs> I know he'll get up. I mean, it's so it's that's wow. the kind of the balancing act. If you have a child, like I think my oldest boy is, it just not, I wouldn't say coasting through life, but it's just he's ahead of the waves. Nothing's, yeah. it's uncharted or unbroken water in front of him. What's going to happen when he flunks a class? What's going to happen when some girl breaks his heart? I mean, how is he going to deal with it? Where I think my, uh, my younger son and, and my stepdaughter at some point are probably going to handle adversity a little bit better because they've dealt with it. And I think that's a really important thing to realize about kids. You know, if you, if you're becoming judgmental as a parent about, Oh, this, you know, they're, they're failing or they're struggling. They're just learning how to deal with those sorts of things. I mean, the, the kid that never fails, never gets B's isn't necessarily prepared for life in the best way. Right. Right. Because when they do get fired or when they do go through a divorce, what's going to be their reaction? So I, I think you have to take all of life's experiences as an opportunity to learn. Like you, and there's that old saying, I don't fail. I just learn. Right. Um, I, I think that kids that have dealt with a little adversity maybe are 
better equipped for the world. But maybe my oldest boy will prove me wrong and nothing ever happens to him bad. <laughs> I don't think that's, you know, again, well, that's right, of course. <laughs> how do you, how do you balance um, how much exposure you give your kids versus sheltering? Um, you know, a lot of parents say, that, you know, they shelter in the name of protection, you know, but, and then some parents are like, Hey, go at it. I want you to see everything. I want you to do everything. I want you to experience and all that. How do you make that balance or how do you and Meredith make that balance? Um, I think we're pretty liberal as far as our parenting style. Um, I don't do a lot of uh, restrictions with uh, social media and things like that. Cause I, I think it's the world they live in. They need to kind of learn about it. But um, early on, uh, you know, in middle school, I was appalled and surprised by the content that's getting sent across phones <laughs> uh, between uh, adolescent boys and girls. And I just told them, I said, at any point, you need to realize that what's on your phone, if a parent or a principal or a school administrator got a hold of it, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. So you, you just kind of have to tell them that it's, it's consequences. It's you, you make choices and you have the freedom to do that, but there's consequences of your choices. So I would just advise them, and this is a conversation that came up with my son that just went off to college. Yeah, you know, you're going to want to put stuff on Instagram and Snapchat and things like that. Do you really want to put you doing a K stand or something? Right. You know, <laughs> something foolish because this is a reality. An employer five years down the road mm-hmm. might look at your Instagram feed. Um, it, the internet changed everything. It's just it's it's permanent. Yeah, and you just have to Doesn't be to be aware of that but other than that no i think you know we, we have curfews obviously and uh i, I give my kids a, a lot of slack i think until they abuse it and then you have to tighten it in but right. um i think that I, i'm pretty liberal with my trusting of the, of the kids i just think they have a good head on their shoulders um you'll learn this when your your kids get in their teenage years you need to just tell them when you screw up i'm here for you yeah um if you get in a situation where you're drinking, uh, don't get in the car. Call me. I'll come get you up. Or, no questions asked. I'll pick you up or I'll send you an Uber. Uh, there might be a talk the next day, but I don't want them to be terrified of the consequences of a mistake because I've made them. Right. Um, I, I just think that I'm still their parent. I'm not their friend, but I'm certainly a, a, an experienced enough person to know this is, these are the challenges these kids face. Right. Um, they, they're the peer pressures and the, the things that are going on in their life. I mean, I was not, <laughs> I was not a choir boy growing up. Let's put that way. <laughs> I mean, there's not a lot that my children could do to surprise me. So, right. <laughs> um, all I can just do is, is be understanding and give them the wisdom of experience as far as warning them, you're free to do this, but this could happen. Right. Do you feel like you've done a great job with keeping up? Um, like you said, the internet changed everything and it's changed every day. You know, your life as an individual, it's changed how we parent. Um, there are different restrictions now. When I was a kid, it was make sure you come on before the lights, you know, the street lights come on. Right. Um, now that is like the least of your concerns. It's, it's a lot of other things going on. It's the device. I didn't have a cell phone when I was a kid, right. you know, uh, did you, do you feel like you've done a great job with keeping up with the times and adjusting your parenting style to go along with the times? No, I'll be perfectly honest. I have not. I mean, I don't uh, now Meredith is, she's much better with her daughter uh, than I am about monitoring uh, smartphones and, and devices and things. I think I've 
I think I've tried to, I maybe I've overly trusted my children. Um, mm-hmm. My youngest boy is an avid gamer. Um, I don't really stand over his shoulder. I mean, it's Fortnite and, you know, the right, flavors right. of the month, you know, that sort of thing. But I don't confiscate their devices and look through text messages probably like I should. Um, I, I guess I just don't, I don't know if I see the benefit of it. If you, if you tighten the rope too much, then the rebellions occur. Right. Um, I want to just trust that I've done a good job raising level-headed kids that know right from wrong because at some point you're just not going to have a control over this matter anymore. But maybe when they were younger, you know, the eight, 10 year old age, I was definitely checking their phones, but after they got to high school and, and my own shortcomings, probably when I should have checked it the most, right. <laughs> I, I didn't, yeah. I mean, we talk I and mean, it's not like I don't know who my children are, but um, of course. they probably have a private online life more than most parents would allow. And I, yeah. I do struggle with that, but uh, at some point it just becomes, too late I mean, yeah. when they turn 18 you don't have a lot of things <laughs> right right no and i ask because you know i'm in that stage right now myself you know where my two oldest are six and, and eight right and it's uh they they play roblox online and they mm-hmm. they have access to all this stuff and they have their minecraft. ipad and, and minecraft and they're, yeah. they're on youtube now and you know yep. it's it's but again it's that balance of trust versus you know what liberties you give them and you know i always believe in the phrase you know trust but verify right but it's it's how much is too much and because i'm not in that teenage years yet you know um i I am curious around how parents are and these dads are handling that phase you know Uh, so that's that's the reason why i ask you know i think there are subtle ways to bring them back into what i would call IRL in real life sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, watch movies with the kids. Yeah. Um, my boys grew up loving Star Wars, and by default, their their stepsister Raleigh does too. <laughs> Those are little things. It's still media. It's still entertainment. It's still online, so to speak. But you're sitting there watching a movie, and and if I can watch a two hour long movie with my family and no one's checking their phone nonstop through it, I feel like that was quality That's time. Um, we're not at the theater. You know, we're on still on the couch or somebody has to use the restroom, you hit pause, you know, and maybe they're checking their Instagram when they're while they're on the toilet. I don't know, but <laughs> I, I just feel like you take the small victories. Um, go to like a, a flying tee or top golf type place and go hit golf balls or go do miniature golf. Keep it fun, but keep it in the present where I think most of their lives when they're laying in bed and getting ready to go to sleep, that's when they're bombarding the web and, and keeping up with their friends and socializing. But I always wanted to make life fun uh while they're in our house to where they just feel satiated where they don't need to go online right i think to me it's the kids are are getting online because they're just bored out of their skulls um (laughs) when i was a kid we never wanted to come home we wanted to go out and and ride bikes and climb trees And and i get that it's a different world that's not the world we live in now but um give them activities to do and become passionate about like my oldest boy played soccer um he didn't want to mess up or screw up in life because he valued soccer. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that's why sports are important. But, um, but to answer your original question, no, I'm probably terrible at monitoring my son's uh, online lives. Now I do stalk the cr- I do stalk the crap out of him on Find My Friends. <laughs> and if that ever goes to a location not available, right. it's an immediate text. Of what's going on? Where are if you? If you can answer this text, that means you have cellular service. Turn that crap back on, dude. 
I don't ask for much, but I nope. ask you to keep that on. <laughs> but I pay for your cell phone bill. Turn that back on. <laughs> <laughs> or I'm embedding a chip in your arm. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Changing the Wi-Fi password when you get home. <laughs> so, like, even now, um, you have a son that's going into college now, and yep. you have kids in the teenage years, and and your daughter, she's in, she's twelve now, so she's getting ready to go through that. What are what are the things that you and Meredith are kind of looking forward towards right now? I mean, um, you got a few more years before your empty nesters, uh, but how do you guys maximize this time now? What are some of the things you guys have been thinking about? Well, I, you know, we we definitely have never uh, forgotten about each other. I think we do a good job of of making time for us as a couple versus us as parents, which I think was the shortcoming of my, my marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we recently went to the Florida Keys. Um, Raleigh was with her father in Georgia for the summer, and it's pretty easy to finagle uh, time away from the boys because we have shared custody. So we just went to the Florida Keys, and we lived our best life for three or four days, and that's great. Um, Long term, I don't know what we'll do. After, after Raleigh or my stepdaughter graduates from high school, makes her decisions in life, um, there's been talk of maybe coming back to Atlanta because that very much feels like home to us. Um, her Meredith's entire family is in Atlanta. My best friends from high school are in Atlanta. Um, Tulsa was never really where we wanted to be. I think it's where we needed to be, right. or at least I need to be. Um, Meredith was gracious enough, gracious enough to come along with me. Um, no, it, it'll be strange. Uh, uh, having Tristan around less, you know, being off at college, and then I don't know what my younger son Cannon will want to do with life. But as that, it's not empty nest now, but there's there's some eggs falling out of the nest. You know, it's it's getting light. Um, I don't think we've we've thought about it too much. I mean, I don't want to uh, project too much in the future because you need to stay in the present. But I I envision us going back to the southeast. Um, Tulsa is a fine city, and I don't want anybody from the Chamber of Commerce to be yelling at me about. <laughs> But it, it's just not, it's not really for us. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're very much water and ocean people. And I don't know if you looked at a map of the United States <laughs> recently, but there's nowhere further from an ocean in the United it's States. Than Tulsa. Tulsa. <laughs> nope, there's not. Um, but you know, my biggest fear is, and I'll just be very clear. Um, if I were to move away, how much would I see the boys? You know, are, are they going to root down in Oklahoma? Right. And then it's going to be a situation where, I see them every other Christmas or something like that because I moved away from Michigan. My father and, and my entire family was still in Michigan. So when I moved to Atlanta, it was a, a big move for me. It, I had no regrets whatsoever, but I know my family wished I was around more. Right. Um, but it's, it, you know, this at some point you just say, I've, I've done all I can as a parent. You're on your own. You've, I've given you the tools for success. And here's where your stepmother and I need to be. And please come visit. You're always welcome. I love that your story talks about being having that separation, trying to be a long distance father, making the hard decisions and jumping through the hoops necessary to be closer to your boys. But then also now having this great blended family and uh, being able to create something new and live this life where your boys and your daughter now get the chance to see you in this stage and sure. you're adjusting to parenthood. What is leg? What does the legacy portion look like for you? Because we talk a lot about that on the DAS list. Um, yeah. what, how do you see legacy? What does that mean for you? For me, it's I want all of our children, you know, my two biological sons and my my stepdaughter, to just look back and say that 
he did all he could, everything in his power to raise us the best he could and put his personal desires almost to the side. And I think a lot of parents do that. It's not a heroic feat that I have tried to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I think some fathers, given my scenario, might have just kind of waved their hand and mailed it in. But no, I want them to realize that I was dealt a, a pretty tough hand, um, but I made the best of it. And I, I definitely put family first. And again, I, I don't need a parade or a trophy or anything like that. No, I think no, no. Most parents would do that, but I, I just did my best. And I, I was always there for the kids. And that, that's what I want my legacy to be. And I, and I we asked this question because it's not about speaking highly of yourself. From It's more so of highlighting the wins. And it's about recognizing that there are a lot of men who are doing what you've been doing. But the TV shows and so forth don't really show that all the time. And we want other men to see and to hear that it is possible to be dealt that hand and find a way to make it work. It is possible to have a divorce and find a way to move across the country to be with your children. And it is possible that you can be in a new relationship again and you can and still have a great relationship with your with your children and and be able to grow from there. And so that's why it's it's important to have all these different stories and your story is always going to be unique because it's unique to you but also it may not be unique to somebody else and sure. they need to hear this because they're not hearing it around them. And I think that another important thing to, to recognize, and I didn't for the longest time, but some very special people in my life made me realize this. I think divorced dads view this time frame of the divorce happening and then the kids mm -hmm. are 18. That's when the child support payments stop, but that's not when parenting stops. So right. I, I would stress out a lot about how much I was missing you know, during my kids' years and, oh, they're, they're doing this and I'm not there and they're doing this and they're there. My stepmother would ask me all the time, did your relationship stop with your dad after you turned 18? And I said, no, that's when it started flourishing, you know, when I became an adult and, and he could tell me about the things that happened in life that were age appropriate, you know, where you can't tell an eight-year-old kid about <laughs> your experiences at Florida State University <laughs> where you're, you know, drinking your face off, things like that. But it's when they become these young adults where I, I, my message to divorced fathers would be, they need you for the rest of their lives. Yes. You're going to feel like you're missing out on soccer games and school plays and, and banquets and things like that. But don't forget about what's going to happen to them after they're 18 years old and they do whatever they want. Yeah. They're going to need you. The, the fathering never stops. And I think... Uh, I internalized, I, I would get so stressed about missing things during their, their younger years as if this was it. When they turn 18, I just check out. But, and I, don't, I can't really explain why that train of thought ran through my head. But like I said, Meredith and my stepmother and a lot of people in my life said, you've got a long road ahead of you, dude. And, yeah. Um, you're not missing it. You're not missing as much as you think. And so that would be my advice. No, that's a great perspective. You know, as you're saying that, I think about my relationship with my father, right? And um, him and my, my my mother got a divorce late in life. So, you know, I was already married with, you know, at that time. But I think about the relationship me and him have now. He lives in Florida. I'm up here. And, and when, when we do talk, it is like I'm talking to a, another man. Sure. It's not a, it's not necessarily a father son thing. It's like a man to man thing. And, uh, I may be sharing with him something that I learned and to hear him 
listen to me as if like I've been on the earth a little bit longer sometimes. You know what I mean? Like it, right. it's, no, it's, it's a total different perspective. And then for me to still listen to him and hear some things, I was like, man, okay, thanks, dad. Yeah, I needed to hear that. And sometimes it's just encouragement, but it means something different because he he knows what I'm going through as a father and as a husband now. And so the advice tends to hit a little bit harder because it's not just empty advice or quotes that you might have read online. He actually knows what's going on and he can say, man, son, I've been where you are. I know what it's like to have a three-year-old. Let me give you this advice. Or let me just say, I'm here for you or I understand. And him saying, I understand doesn't come off cliche. It really means a lot to me because I know that he gets it. Right. There, so and I think there, there is a point in every person's life, whether it's a man or woman, where you just realize my kids are accusing me of being stupid. And I, <laughs> at that point, I realized how smart my parents are. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it is kind of just a light bulb that gets turned on to where your whole life you just think, oh, my parents don't understand. And you're like, damn, I think they did all along. <laughs> yeah. <long."> yeah. <laughs> and it's a, it's a, you hope everybody can have a relationship with their parents like that. But uh, I, I imagine the, the pride of, of sitting back and watching that. I mean, can you imagine, Jay? I mean, your kids having kids. And right. You're just gonna sit back and watch the struggles. Right. And you're just—you're not gonna smile or grin, but you're just gonna say, "Gosh, I—I re- I remember this now." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And to your point, it's—you know—you're never done parenting to some degree no. because it's again being the grandparent or even just still being there for me. Uh, my mother is still there for me on a regular basis, you know. And uh, whether it's praying for me because of a situation I might be going through, or praying for my child, or just empathizing with us for the situation that's going on or even to celebrate what's going on, you know? So it's, it's, it's very important to know that, yeah, you're not done parenting just because they hit 18 or they're in college now. No. And I think the generations change with the, the external factors, whether it's uh, music or movies or social media, but the, the bare bones parenting, I don't think it's changed that much. Yeah. It just, you want your kid to be a good person uh, do they want to make the world a better place than what they left it? Do they treat everybody with respect? I, I don't think those are kind of universal values that, that that's put, put the rest of the noise aside, try mm-hmm. to just raise good human beings. Yes. Yes. Oh, perfect. Well, I think that's a great way to end it, man. Um, I, I love that we got a chance to get back together again and soon we'll meet up in person again and I'll see the whole family. I'd love it. That'd be great. I would love that. I mean, uh, Atlanta is always going to be a very special place to me. And uh, Jay, you've been a, a great friend over the years and we've had some <laughs> amazing laughter over the years. And <laughs> I treasure it and I really admire you uh, trying to bring the the fatherhood portion of, of parenting to light because I genuinely believe that a lot of people uh, and society in general view parent or fathers as kind of a second class parent, yeah. which I think is really unfortunate. Um, dads, dads matter, whether they're in the house or divorced. I mean, I think that men bring a lot of uh, value to a relationship, but the key is they have to bring value. Right. It's not going to be handed to you. You have to be an active participant in it all. And, and put whatever troubles you have, if you're a divorced you know, parent, put that aside. That, that doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's old news. And, when, um, and once you do that, we have to talk to each other. 
we have to encourage we have to encourage each other we have to share our stories we have to be able to see someone else go through something and learn from that and be able to openly talk to each other about these experiences so we can get better at it so you don't feel alone there are other people out there fighting the same fight you Mm -hmm. are having the same struggles um just maybe you just band together and say this is how we're going to get it done that's right all right. Well, with that, guys, thank you so much for joining us on the Dazzlist podcast. I am so grateful to have my guest, Jeff Fisher, on here, a longtime friend. And again, we want you guys to be able to share this podcast with other men to make sure that they are being able to be aware that these things are happening and we can share and we can talk about it. It doesn't have to be a thought that you have by yourself and no one to communicate with or no one to learn from. And you have an opportunity to share what you know with other men and help them grow from there as well. So with that, I want you guys to go ahead and subscribe to this podcast, share it to others that you know. You'll be able to find me on thedazzlist.com. My co-host, Tony, you can find him on theallaroundlife.com. And you can catch us on social media at the same handle, The Dad's List. And the same thing for Tony, you can catch him on The All Around Life. But with that, guys, we are ending this podcast and we hope to catch you on the next one.